Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm your host, Buck, and I'd just like to say Happy New Year, and I hope everyone's keeping safe in this crazy time with all the fires and everything. Um, with me this week, I have the DJ. Hey, guys, and Happy New Year. How are you going, DJ? Oh, I'm happy. It's a new year. Things are, things are looking well. Uh, that's good to hear. Nice, nice positive attitude. Good start. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah, and that was about you, And the rest of his New Year's resolutions. And the pessimistic person grumbling in the background there is the professor. Hello. <laughs> and how, how, why are you miserable, professor? Well, I've lost my party blowers. Aww. So you guys miss out on the New Year's party blower <clears throat> and the very special 100th episode party blower. Yes, it's our 100th episode, but we thought we'd, we'll make more of a fuss for the two-year birthday episode coming up in a ooh, just four, four more weeks to go, a month. Crikey. Time flies, doesn't it? Time is fun when you're having flies. Um, first episode up this week, we have The Professor. Yeah, the um, Nintendo... Sorry, not Nintendo. Where's my brain going? <laughs> Sony has accidentally leaked their... Um, well, sort of unintentionally leaked their PlayStation 5 DualShock 5 designs through patents. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of interesting points. One of them is that they are apparently patenting the idea of sharing your controller with your friends. You, The design that they're proposing is that one person controls the sticks, one the buttons, and one the bumpers, and all control the one character which has been a feature in games since way back in the day the controller said more than one button. Yeah, but I think they mean that instead of everyone all trying to squeeze their hands around to one tiny little controller, there'll be multiple controllers doing different things. Is that what... Probably, the- but the, uh, the diagram in the um, the patent seems to suggest otherwise. That's just going to be painful. It would. You gotta, you gotta- I'm wondering if anyone has the record of being Dark Souls using only one button each. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> so it's kind of like a control splitter in a sense. Yeah, kinda. Although you could do this like I don't know why they had to patent that, or if it's just an opportunistic thing, because like I've played games that have used shared keyboards and controllers since I was young. It's probably because um Xbox sued them for the dual access vibration thing on one of their controllers. Hey, and I keep in mind I could be interpreting this wrong because the uh the publication only includes one page, which shows the diagrams, mm-hmm. and the abstract refers to um, cloud gaming, so streaming a video of a game over the internet, basically Google Stadia. Oh. Yeah, so there's uh, a method is provided for executing a video game on a cloud computer, streaming video to a primary client, streaming video over the network from the primary client to one or more secondary client devices, which uh, split-screen, non-local split-screen gaming me. Mm-hmm. Uh, receiving over the network by an input aggregation <clears throat> server, input data from the secondary client devices. So I assume that means they'd link the controls directly to the game server, even if the game has to go through the player one's computer first. Yeah, well, I'm I'm interpreting the drawing where because it, it's it's showing three people on each side, and each one's got a controller in their hand, but each one's ah, yes. operating a different section of it. So ah, I hadn't noticed that. That's the reason why I was saying, yeah, it'll be everyone will have a separate controller, 
but everyone will take control of one section and you'll just, yeah. So instead of having the mad dash where you had four or five people all crowding around one control and everyone just going berserk and when they're playing Mortal Kombat or something like they did back in the day, this will be everyone will have a controller each so you're not having to touch somebody else's grutty, snotty fingers. Yes. I'm not sharing my germs. I'm keeping them to myself. <laughs> yes, actually, um, I've seen keyboards that are very unhygienic. So being able to have your own controller but share inputs is a much preferred alternative. Yes. Especially for anyone who's um, studied at university and gone into a 24-hour computer lab, especially after the weekend when you've had the um, League of Legends dweebs (laughs) cluttering the place up. And I'm I'm, I'm sorry, but the politest way I can describe it is it smells like someone's butthole. You've had so many... You, you walk into a computer lab that's got 30 computers and for the entire weekend there's all the computers have been full of a bunch of um, dweeby little guys that are sitting there basically trying trying to go for 24 hours a day sort of thing over the weekend and just doing nothing but playing computer games and it just yeah the place the place is grotty it's smelly yeah not a not a pleasant situation to walk into do you guys think this whole thing is big is a fad though no because they're expand, expanding gaming out to allow expanded operations for games. Yeah. So when you look at it, it won't just be fighting games. Like you'll have um, where people are controlling. Well, it's also um, with some of the games where you've got control of uh, like flight simulators and ship simulators and things like that, you'll have people operating different aspects of machine. Mm. Yeah, so um, some indie games especially have the the feature where you can share a controller um, or share inputs with one character. Octodad is the first one that comes to mind. Each player can control an individual limb, so you mm-hmm. can have a four-player party mode of absolute chaos while you try to walk your way across the, uh, the, the room. You need another one to control the head. There's no grip points on the head, though, so it, it just kind of goes where it wants. Uh, you stay upright, though. You can't, like, flip over like in Quop. Oh, that's unfair. Yes, but um, the other interesting patent that they've come out with is a, uh, a patent for the potential DualShock 5 controller. Ooh. The patent makes it look just like their DualShock 4, but it's got a couple of buttons on the back, which is a feature now seen in the... Uh, sadly departed Steam controller and the Xbox Elite controller. Okay. But uh, they also have a um, rear button attachment for the DualShock 4 coming out, which will add these buttons to DualShock 4s. <clears throat> and you can choose how to remap them, which will be nice for uh, backwards compatibility. You won't have to be. buy a whole set of new controllers to play on your uh, PS5. Saves money nice. and cuts down on e-waste. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've seen that meme floating around on um, Facebook where someone's saying apparently there's America's got $32 billion worth of electronics equipment lying around. Yeah. But apparently GameStop only values at $6. <laughs> so um, give us give us what you think are going to be some of the major benefits for this and what, it, what you think it's going to spell for gaming overall. Well, big benefit to having back paddles on a uh, controller is that you can actuate them with your ring or pinky finger, which not only makes it easier to activate than having two fingers on the bumpers if you happen to be particularly poor at switching between the two uh, buttons, or having to switch them, you can keep both sets ready, or you can add two new functions to your controller. 
and more functions is always a good thing, says the armor player, because you never have <laughs> enough keys in armor. It just reminds me of the good yeah. old emulator days, you know, when um when you get like a when you have like separate con- separate controller um controls saying like one button can do this certain combo and another button can do another combo. It's like it just reminds me of that good old days. Good old days. Listen, listen to the DJ. <laughs> and I was a boy. <laughs> I'm not yeah. as old as you, you old fart, but I know. I, I love. I love the good old days. <laughs> well, I highly doubt they will um bother to um let you map combos for the back button. I expect it'll probably just map like bumper or the face buttons. Yeah, which is still a, a big improvement for like prone grenades or crouching or sprinting, mm. those sorts of things. Actually, yeah. I'd probably map the uh, the click on the sticks because I've always found the stick click to be a bit... Incremental? Uh, awkward, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're trying to strafe while you shift stick click. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know you know who, which game would be perfect for this type of controller, though? Which yeah. game? David Cage games. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> you wanted to give you more. <laughs> can you imagine david word. cage abusing this back button attachments though like yes squeeze the back button to hold onto the motorbike <laughs> it'd be like the new, a new game of um detroit detroit beyond human the the back button will be just used for like please press please press harder to clench on the driver's on the driver's wheel I was going to be nervous there when you were saying crunching. <laughs> um, honestly, I have to say, it's I'm loving the fact that Sony's expanding on their controllers and their hardware in such a positive manner. Because, as you said, like they're allowing the the back back shift with the um, updating your DualShock Four with the, the add-on. So they're working to make sure that they're actually doing that in a proper manner. Um, the whole attitude, everything with with PlayStation at the moment that I've seen is, being, is, is looking absolutely awesome. Yeah, that's my favorite part of it, that it's not just a, um, a gimmick to sell new controllers for the new console. It's something that you can feasibly backwards port to the old controller, and that's what they seem to be doing. So I really hope that it's compatible to transfer a DualShock 4 with attachment to a PS5. Hmm. Anyway, I and- suppose we should probably move on. Sorry, you are going to say something, DJ? Yeah, I was going to say, um, do you reckon with all these news that have been coming out with consoles, I mean, last year we had the Xbox um, trailer, we got the Xbox um, console trailer came out, and we're now seeing the news of a new, of the pat- new patents with the P- PlayStation controller. Do you reckon um, PlayStation will beat the Nintendo Switch? I mean, Nintendo Switch lately has been the, the console. Uh, but has it really? Like, you st- you still got people that are, are so adamantly enthused for the PlayStation. The Switch is, if I could be bothered sort of thing, um, you still got very much that tribal mentality. So, yeah. and then let's not forget, Xbox is starting to go the way of Apple, as I've said a few times now, with the, the Xbox X coming out, copying the iPhone X. <laughs> You're never going to let that Apple thing go, huh? Well, maybe one day. <laughs> I doubt it, because Apple sucks. Yes. Yeah. What do you guys what do you reckon? Do you reckon this might be the console of the that might um rival the Switch if if not beat if not beat the um Nintendo Switch, but rival it per se? Well, I 
you just asked us that question. Do you want me to repeat my answer again? No, uh, so, sorry, I didn't hear the answer. My mistake, but... Um... Well, I said, I don't think it's really switches in the lead. Yeah. Um, PlayStation is pretty dominant in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, the Switch is generally, from what I've, my experience is, it's more of a extraneous added gaming style. Yeah, I think the majority of Switch owners also own one of the other consoles. You're more likely to see someone from Xbox or PlayStation camps go to Switch than to cross the uh, cross the bridge to the other console. Ah, yeah, that's, that's just and that's just I, I don't see the uh, the point of owning a console so much these days because most console games come to PC within a year or two. Are you trying to say, Professor, you you want everyone to join the PC master race? Of course, I am. let's look at cost of um buying a console as opposed to buying a gaming machine how much is a ps4 at the moment ps4 pro one terabyte is what five hundred dollars that's also after four years of um price drops though no no it's been pretty consistent at five hundred dollars for quite a while now because i when i bought my ps4 it was five it was actually just under four hundred dollars under five hundred dollars sorry it's four hundred and fifty but it was on sale so your ps4 pro it's at 519 at your local jb hi-fi hmm how much is it to build a gaming rig at the moment you can get a fairly decent rig for about that much that much really 519 can you really there were some uh, builds that Linus Tech Tips did a while back that were like console. I don't remember if they were console equivalents or console beaters. And the goal was to get something roughly equivalent within roughly the same price, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but would it still be having the same processing power and everything well, like that? It depends because if you build your part, your PC with parts from 2017 when the PS4 Pro came out, then, or was it? 2018 thereabouts anyway then well, let's do it you're missing let's do it album. now okay because you can buy a ps4 pro now for 519 dollars. so i'm i'm looking more at like as an entrance into like everyone's getting more and more involved in computers but cost wise a console is still more cost effective but can you do your homework on a console um, you, you can actually buy a console and then spend another 300, 400 bucks on a even a dirt cheap laptop to do your homework. No, you can you can do your homework on it. You can buy a keyboard attachment for the PlayStation. Or you used to be able to. I haven't actually looked at it for a while. And you can access the internet and access Windows Office 365, which gives you Windows <laughs> Word. <laughs> Wait, so just through the web client? Yes. Okay, that's a pretty shit version of Windows of microsoft word but that's a fair point it gives you full access to the windows suite from what what i can understand i haven't actually done it but from what i can understand you get you can you you can access all of the internet through your consoles now through playstation and i believe xbox um because it's part of microsoft is yeah they've probably got they've had it for a while as well so um score one for the um console usurpers yes but you can never mod minecraft on a playstation and isn't that what life is really about (laughs) oh i think we might just move away from that one because i might get in trouble um (laughs) yes because let's 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 face it playstation was um when it first came out, the original PlayStation, you could actually get mod chips for that back in the day. Yes, you could. They they took 
took modding to the same levels of extreme that car modifications can go in some cases. But we'll, we shall quietly walk away from this one because, yeah. Well, most, uh, most mod chips are just to let you play pirated games. <clears throat> yeah, but there were some chips that were, in, like, you could actually upgrade your chip to a higher processing power as well. Um, yeah, you, I, I, I've seen where people had AMD Athlon chips in PlayStations, which was pretty cool when you consider the fact that they opened up a section of the PlayStation and had the AMD Athlon there and they had heatsink fans blowing across it and everything like that. So you had the naked PlayStation. Those sorts of mods will likely be even easier in the future because the Xbox and PlayStation are rapidly approaching full x86 compatibility. Yep. And that's, that's the thing that's raising a lot of eyebrows like you you can buy a gaming console that has all this power and it's still only at this sort of price so yeah some of the um computer companies are having to start answering some questions but anyway we shall move along we've got we've given you some food for thought there um Next up, we have the DJ with what's happening in 2020. Oh, the anime world's going to be fun in the, in the year 2020. We've got some really cool anime releases coming out here this year. So first off, we've got Project Anima Sakugan Labyrinth Marker. Um, this is by Starlight Studios, so it's a mecha science fiction anime, and it takes place in the future where humanity has moved on to underground labyrinth, and each labyrinth has a different condition, where it's high temperature or made of different ores. So yeah, so one of the so this anime is just focusing on a certain colony called Pinion, where Mimi Mupu lives. So she wants <laughs> it's such a weird name, I know. So Mimi Pu went to search for her mother. She leaves the labyrinth uh, with her dad, who works as a marker. So they, so it's basically finding their mum, basically. Um, you've got other anime series like uh, Hamifura. So I reincarnated as an otome game into an otome game as a villainess with only destruction flags. That's, I love these titles. Some of these titles are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Studio Trigger, the the um. Studio famous for anime anime movies like Promar and series such as Little Witch Academia, Darling in the Franks, and Kill Our Kill have released their new series called Brand New Animal. Uh, plot's not out yet, but um, yeah, some of the visuals have been amazing to look at. But the anime that people are looking really forward to is Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. After eight years of production, mind you. That's coming out in Japan in June 27, 2020. Okay. Yeah, so it's not yet known when we're going to get get here, but the last <clears throat> one came out in November 2012. So uh, hopefully we might get late 2020, early 2021. So, yeah. But there are a couple of other series that um, that be coming out in 2020 as well, like the usual favorites, such as A Certain Scientific Railgun Season 3, Quintessential, Quintessential Quintuplets Season 2, My Hero Academia Fourth Season, uh, Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon Season 3, uh, Attack on Titan The Final Season, and you've got some new ones as well, such as ID Invaded, uh, Magica Record, Maho Shoujo Madoka, Magica Gaiden, uh, Plundered, the Promised Neverland Season 2, and Violet Evergarden, the movie. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, oh by the way, for just to, he- just to let you know, with the Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, there, there is word coming out that there will be a new ending, which is totally different from the Evangelion series and the e- end of Evangelion. 
Well, they're fixing with the usual premise of Evangelion. Every time they do a release, they change the ending and something else. Because <sighs> everyone thought the end of Evangelion was... The, the ending was just, what the hell is this? So I bet we're going to see something really weird <laughs> in that fashion with, with this version. Honestly, if it comes out and it's not, I'm going to be disappointed because Evangelion is one of those ones where it's always pushed the envelope for... Mm-hmm. Not so much the weirdness, it's just the, the artistic creativity and just complete insanity with how they go with some of the stuff. They just they don't get dictated to, they dictate how they're going to do it. They don't allow people outside the conclave of the creative team. They, they, do the, they do their own thing and then they just tell the world how it is. And if you don't like it, tough luck. Get bitch slapped and move aside. <laughs> they, they just go hard and they do their thing. They do it well. Unlike some of the other um, anime and other series out there where they get too many other people outside, start whinging and complaining, and you see changes in stories. And it just weakens it. Yeah. Like, even yeah. Gillian, the thing that everyone loves with it is that weirdness with some of the stuff, and it's always stayed true to that core of what the story is. Like, even when they've changed things, it's still stayed... True to the theme. Tr- true to the, the core belief and premise of how it was operating. Yeah. But, yeah, with the... Oh, by the way, with the Rebuild movies, uh, they're basically... Well, I forgot to tell you. The, they're the retelling of uh, of the original 24 series, episode anime series. So they've tweaked the storyline and enhanced the visuals. So, yeah. They were so already they, pretty cool. Yeah. There's some um, new scenes, new settings, and characters in the Rebuild which have not been... In, Included in the Evangelion series, so yeah, fair enough. So, what what one are you looking forward to the most? Oh, in terms of the new series, I am actually looking forward with brand new Animal because it's Studio Trigger, and I love their works with Darling in the Franks and Little Witch. So, brand new Animal will be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, my usuals like your Attack on Titan, My Hero Academia, certain scientific railgun. Um, the the usual lot, but then um, there are some so other ones which are hmm? a certain scientific railgun about a certain a scientific a pun. That's a hell of a name. Oh, I know they they come up with some really fun names. Uh, certain a certain scientific railgun. It's basically a spin off of a certain scientific experiment. I think it was called, but I'll check. Give me a moment. No, no, no. Come on. So it's basically the story goes in the futuristic and the futuristic academy city. It's made up of eighty percent students, many of whom are espers who possess unique psychic powers. Uh, Mikoto Misaka is Electro Master, who's the third strongest of a mere seven espers who've been given the rank of level five. So the series ex- focuses on the exploits of Mikoto and her friends uh, Kuroko Shirai, Kasari Yuihara, and Yuriko Saiten, prior to and during the events of A Certain Magical Index. Oh, so, yeah, that's the one. Certain Magical Index is the main series. This is basically a side spin-off. Yeah. Okay. Which one are you looking forward to, Buck? I'm actually just looking through the list here. Apart from all my usual um, suspects, I probably I, I'm gonna want to try and check out um, Plunderer. Oh yeah, just because nice. it looks like it's gonna have a, a couple of interesting twists there. But um, yeah, yesterday looks interesting. Or seeing yesterday for me because mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Um, but the artwork in there is looking good, and it's more of a normal sort of um, 
anime. It's looking looking very much like um, Miyazaki doing um, my my neighbor, not my neighbor. There's one of the series there I can't remember the name of at the moment where it's um, just daily life for a couple of people. So, yeah, this is looking very similar to that. There are some, um, but it's interesting how this year is also going to be a very um, hard year for Kyoto anime with Violent Evergarden coming out. And we all know what happened in the fire last year. Yeah, but the fact that they've actually managed to make it something's coming out, it should be seen as a celebration. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's, it should be seen as a cel- it should be seen as celebration. Uh, that too, man. It must be pretty tough though doing the, doing the production doing, at this while well, having this around as well. Yeah, what was that studio where they just packed up? Like the studio itself just packed up and disappeared. Oh, that I think I heard about that story. That was really weird. Oh. No, that, that's that's going to be a, a, I, I'd love to see what they've come up with. <laughs> Oh. No, you probably don't because they probably accidentally summoned the old ones. <laughs> no, seriously, there was um, all the people went home for the weekend or something at this studio because they were at the end of a project and they had they were given a weekend off and they came back the next working day and everything was just packed up and gone. Yeah, Tia Studio, that was that's what was name. Yeah, so it's just it's it's one of those like what. How did you pack? You, you, you've just finished the project, but you, you've now just packed everything up and vanished. Like, what, what were they working on? Was I, I want to know? That's what I'm wanting to know. Like, were they working on like an anime which was about an invasion of the US or something like that, and are actually <laughs> being employed by some government somewhere to plan how they're going to do the invasion of the US? Or actually, if I disappear, you know that I was right with that theory. <laughs> Please don't. But Bucky's don't the next episode. Well, it won't be by choice. It'll be more like some men come coming through my bedroom window, and I just vanish. <laughs> How would they fit you out of the bedroom window? Oh. I, don't I don't know. They'll have to take something else out as well. I guess I don't know. But someone who can pack up an entire anime studio over a weekend, I'm sure they can figure out how to get a, a fat guy out of the window. <laughs> You'll be the but, next Epstein, Bucky. No, 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 because they left the or oh, yeah, they left the body for Epstein behind. <laughs> Damn, you just made it. They're going to kill me. Thanks. <laughs> oh well, let's get it over with. We are gathered here today. Memory of Buck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got any? Um, what about uh, movies? Wise, Bucky, you've got any um anime movies that you'd be interested in? Nothing that like I've I've heard of like the Evangelion stuff. If they had your movie with it, um, I know Studio Ghibli's been talking about having something else come up sometime soon, mm-hmm. so that'd be pretty cool. Um, there's also something coming up with Mobile Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh yes, so, um, it'd be interesting to see what comes to that because, from what I can understand, it's going to be Charles Nabel from one of the which was I think it was the Iron Blood Orphans. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking. Also, I'm also looking forward. Besides the Evangelion and the Violet Evergarden, I'm looking forward to the Digimon Adventure, the Last Evolution, Kizune. Oh, that's that's okay. a nostalgia thing for me because I grew up watching the Digimon Adventures, the old Digimon Adventure series, and yeah, this is one. This is the one that the series is basically set with the original gang. So. And this might be the last one, so yeah, okay. <laughs> that's gonna hit me in the t- 
This is going to hit me in the heart. Oh, poor DJ. <laughs> we'll make fun of you, don't worry. Oh, thank you. Someone's got to do it. Um, actually, one one series I wouldn't mind seeing someone do something with would be um, the Ninja Scrolls series. Um, as long as they could do, do a, a reimagining of it into, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 episodes or something like that, but not destroy the original storyline. Because there was so much in the original storyline that I'd love to see them really get in and expand upon. But the problem is, are they going to are they going to are they going to um decrease the gore? Because Ninja Scroll is famous for the gore works. Well, you can't decrease the gore. Like it's got a it's part of what makes it who it is. So yeah. If it's you good. mess with the gore level, it's just it's not Ninja Scrolls. Yeah. It's Samurai Scrolls. <laughs> it's become Samurai Pizza Cats. <laughs> But speaking moving along, of, though. I was going to also say, speaking of old series, um, Sorcerer Orphan is coming back as well. So, yep, that's okay. the only series that's, that also brings me back memories that's coming back. But, yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Continue on, Buck. Am I allowed to? Yes. You sure? Yes. Okay. Just making sure I'm still running the show, that's all. Um, also happening this year is the Mars 2020 rover is getting set for launch, and it was actually shown to a select group of invited journalists um, just last year um, in December, and it is looking really cool. Um, it's been constructed and assembled in a sterile room at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. And its driving equipment's also been given a test and given a thumbs up. And I have to say, it is looking amazing. There's so much equipment on board this thing that I would be mind-boggled just trying to work out which I want to play with first because there's 23 cameras, two ears that allow it to hear the Martian winds, there's lasers that are able to be used for chemical analysis. Um, there's a lot of other bits and pieces on there. I, I can't remember where the list is that had all the bits and pieces. Like It's got six wheels similar to the traditional Rovers. This one's the size of a car, and the axe, like the, the whole bodywork is looking incredibly funky and weird. So it's going to be able to go over lots of different terrains. And it's got a um, programmed um, mission length of one Martian year, which will be two Earth years. And they're going to be landing it in a delta to try and find some of the simple organisms similar to what evolved on Earth back, oh, I can't remember how many thousands of years ago now, um, when Mars had a similar sort of um, <clears throat> atmosphere. So, yeah, like, oh, here we are, three, three 3.5 to 3.9 billion years ago. So the delta measures just over 30 miles across. Um, the rover will only be taking 
a journey of 200 yards a day, I think it was saying. So it's not going to be going very far every day of the year, but based on all the other rovers, we're expecting it's going to last for more than just the one Martian year, um, especially when you consider the fact that it's got a nuclear reactor for its drive control system. So, yes. It's not a reactor, though, is it? It's an RTG, right? <clears throat> um. Uh, I'm just trying to remember where I was reading. It, it's not actually in this article. I was reading somewhere where it actually had the exact um, energy source style. Um, yeah, it's it's not exactly a reactor, but it's a nuclear power plant in some way. Yeah, um, they use RTGs, which are radioisotope thermal generators. They yeah. um, basically very low-grade nuclear reactor. You're not triggering any reactions. You're just using plutonium, which already has a high decay rate. Yeah, um, but the whole situation is pretty cool, when, especially when you look at the fact that if we go on um, the current timeline, this thing's likely to just still be rolling around when man finally sets foot on Mars. And yeah. the other thing to consider is the fact that China, on China, um, late in December, launched one of the world's most powerful rockets in a major step forward to its own planned mission to Mars. So the, the race is on to see who is actually going to have a person on Mars first. Will it be the Chinese, the Russians, or the Americans? Or even the French, because they've been playing around with a lot of their stuff lately. So. Yeah, even India is doing their own space, space mission as well. Yeah, and one of the things I'm looking forward to, apart from seeing the launch for this little buggy going up, is there's the, the planned um, mission to the moon is this year or next year. So they're planning to send a person back to the moon. So lots of things going on in space. So here, go, here we go, Space mich- space Race 2.0, here we come. Oh, here's the other thing. Um, they've got the um, samples that are going to be collected by Rover 2020 are going to be collected and returned to Earth in approximately a decade. So they're looking at sending another mission, which will have an orbiter remain up above Mars, while another little unit will set down on the surface that will retrieve the samples from the rover and it'll be propelled back up into orbit with a simple rocket that'll then reconnect with the orbiter and then travel back to Earth. Yes, I'm excited about the sample return mission. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't want to see that one crash. So, yeah. I'm looking at some of the pictures here for the rover and what I'm thinking is the front of it. It looks like it's got it's got this big yellow ball and it looks like it's got a face. <laughs> that reminds and, me of the uh, the AI from the movie Moon. Yeah, that's, well, that's where I was actually going to go next. Is it, it looks like um, some of the AIs from some of the movies that you had from back in the day and it's got um, articulated arms that are coming down and it looks like it. I'm not sure if they're cameras or what on the end of the boom at the end of it, in front of it, but it looks like it's got um four speakers or five speakers pointed down so it's it looks like it's getting ready to do a a dj gig as a robot it looks like one of those crash test dummies yeah like overall like the amount of the amount of um science that's gone into this thing just looking at that particular picture because that's a person standing beside it this thing is absolutely amazing and there's so much gold Mm -hmm. so yes Definitely like to go for a ride on that thing. Space travel is going to get a whole lot better after this. Well, hopefully. But, yeah, no, that's um, – I figured that was a good way to start off the year. We're, we've got the 
the launch coming up and everything. So yeah, Mar- the Mars twenty twenty will be launching from um, Florida and it'll land on Mars next year. Nice. And this is um, a definite step further towards um, a manned mission because every mission they make, they get more and more data, which is going to make it more and more possible. And there's also more and more equipment just left lying around up there that they can collect and use again. So moving on, I'll, have you guys got anything you want to say on that though first? No, I'm good. No, I'm good. <clears throat> You're good? Yep. Okay. Um, so what game have you been playing this week, Professor? I've been playing the Collection of Mana on the Nintendo Switch. It's a re-release of the first three games in the Mana series, even though the first one wasn't actually technically called a Mana game until its re-release in 2003. Well, it's remake, mm-hmm. sort of Mana. So it started as a spin-off from Final Fantasy. It's called Final Fantasy Adventure in the US and Mystic Quest in the UK. And it was a basically an action-driven hack and slash game with Final Fantasy elements. Like the uh, the main characters from Final Fantasy One have a bit of a cameo. Okay. And the um <clears throat> so yeah, so one I've been playing at the moment is Final Fantasy Adventure slash Mystic Quest. I don't think it's as good as uh, Sword of Mana. Sword of Mana was the one I played first years and years ago, though. Um, I, it just feels very rough around the edges. The writing is awkward because it's back in the not, hey, 90s translation of a Japanese game, that sort of thing. Okay. And, uh, I'd still give it about 5 out of 10, partly because it spawned uh, my favorite one of my favorite series of games fair enough it's looking i I think i remember playing these games back in the day and they were fun one of them uh trials of mana is uh only just come out in the west as part of collection of mana Mm -hmm. yeah um have to see this might be a reason to actually get myself a nintendo <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't uh, be holding my breath on that. Da- Dang it, Professor! You made the buck turn turn from a PS4 con PS4 fan to a Nintendo convert. Dang it, you! No, 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 no. I'm I'm not leaving the PlayStation. I'm I'm just saying I might have to look at getting a Nintendo just to be able to play these games because they were fun games. Oh yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. And since you since you're talking, what game have you been playing, there, DJ? Um, I've been playing an early access game called Overstep. It's uh, it's an interesting game, and admittedly, it's kind of slow because there's not many people in it. But it's fun in a sense where you get to parkour to win, in a sense. Okay. So it's basic. It's it, the same model style as Fortnite, but in terms of character design and the level design. Um. The ways of uh, so you basically have to run around the run around the arena doing wall runs, doing flips, doing um, baseball slides all over the arena to ca- get heat. You also so get all physical actions we have never done. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've done baseball slides. I used to be a lot more fit and healthy than I am now. It's the advantage of being a really old fart. <laughs> but yeah, it's a three. So it's a three robot game, um, three robot team game. So you get you have to beat the other team basically. So this is a parkour version of Fallout seventy six. No, more like a parkour version of Fortnite, but turning, but not hoping not to become a Fallout seventy six. Yeah, but you said it's it's pretty empty. Uh, it's early access, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. How many um, nerdy beanies would you give this? Ooh, I'll give four. 
for now because there are some bugs. There are some really annoying bugs in this game, and there's not many people playing this game, even though it's early access. I know, but so that's four out of five. Four out of five. No, no. Um, four, four out, out of ten. ten. Yeah, four out of ten. Oh, that's a bit of a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been continuing on with. Um, Raid Shadow Legends, and I've just been increasing my collection of heroes. And yeah, it's fun the way of passing time over the Christmas period. Sit there and set it to do all the automatic gameplay and everything like that. So yeah, nothing majorly ex- expressive there. So no yeah. flaws. No, honestly, um, it's actually this has actually been like the only real flaw that I could probably point out would be um, the over promotion of. Um, advertising with uh, like they have um you can buy extra pieces so you've got in-game transactions where you can buy crystals and so forth to summon new heroes and buy more loot boxes everybody loot well, boxes it's not, lo- it's not oh. lo- well not loot boxes per se um not even surprise mechanics not even that <laughs> um like that you don't choose who, what hero you're going to get um so it's random in that way, but you can also buy um, red crystals, which allow you to improve performance of some of your other bits and pieces and increase the speed at which you, you, you've got a, like a training pit so you can actually increase the performance of your training pit and increase the number of slots so you can put in extra um, sacrifice, sacrificial characters to build them up to help boost up your other characters because you have... Um, you hit your champions done on star levels. So you've got a one star, two star, three star, four star, up to six stars as far as I'm aware. And yeah, when you max out your character, your champion's level, um, you can sacrifice other characters to help boost them up to the next level. At which point um, they get an extra star, but they go back to level one and you get to go all the way back up again. So yeah, you got you got to summon extra fighters and that to sacrifice to boost up your champions so yeah that's the only only part that i find annoying is just the the bombardment of advertising at times and just yeah but you don't need to spend the money to be able to play it and enjoy it it's got a good balance on that and plarium have done very well with that so yeah but moving on to our shout outs oh oh, how much i oh you forgot the ranked rating uh i'll give it a um, four and a half out of five. Ooh. The only real contention I have is just the in in game purchases. Oh, that's a good point. Did I say five out of ten? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. So moving on to shoutouts. Unless there's anything else we need to cover quickly. Mm, nothing. No. Okay. On the thirtieth of December two thousand and nineteen, Sid Mead unfortunately passed away. He was an American industrial designer and neo-futurist concept artist, widely known for his designs for science fiction films such as Blade Runner, Alien, and Tron. Mead has been described as the artist who illustrates the future and one of the most influential concept artists and industrial designers of our time. He died from lymphoma at the age of 86 in Pasadena. Now, if I was him... I would ask to be cremated and have my remains put onto the rover to be taken to Mars. Oh, dude, that would be epic. I, the guy is literally one of the, the biggest influences of our time for science fiction. If that doesn't earn him a ride to Mars, I don't know what does. But, yeah, um, moving along before I upset somebody by saying that. 
Um, 31st of December, 2019. Um, well, and today as well, it's ongoing situation. A shout out to the people on the south coast of New South Wales and northern coast of Victoria, um, especially around Malacuta, who are being affected by the bushfires and are having to climb into the water and onto boats and push out away from the edges. Um, yeah, terrible situation there. Some of the pictures that have been coming out lately are just scary to look at. Especially when you consider the fact that they're during the day and it's so dark because of all the fire and the smoke. Yeah. Um, I was reading a story about a gentleman who had to push, who took his boat out with all of his neighbours or something. Um, he had a number of families on his boat with him. And while he was sitting out in the water, he watched his house burn where he'd lived for the last 50 years. So his attitude was, it's it's terrible, but people are safe. That's the main thing. So um, keep safe, people. Um, yeah, hope, hopefully things will get better soon. Um, on the 1st of January, 1983, the official birthday of the internet or the change, the transition from ARPANET over to the internet happened when the with the introduction of the TCP IP standard, which is New Communications Protocol, which stands for Transfer Control Protocol Inter-Network Protocol. So we wouldn't we wouldn't have a lot of the things that are happening now. We wouldn't have a podcast without TCP IP. Yes, let's all have a drink to the uh, RFC that proposed TCP IP. Can we get a few more acronyms in there? DJ, you're good at acronyms. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, moving on so- to remember... Yep. The uh, the TCP protocol is from RFC 793, I believe. And the IP? Uh, IP is RFC 791. And where did they meet to come up with the TCP IP? Was it at a special bar or...? Well, <laughs> TCP is a uh, an extra layer on IP. Basically, IP is the backbone and other... RFCs build on that, so you get TCP IP, UDP IP. Awesome. Um, moving on to remembrances. On the 1st of January, 1796, we have Alexandre Fiafar Vandermont, the French mathematician, musician, and chemist who worked with Bézot, Laverse. Um, his name is now printed principally associated with determinant theory in mathematics. Um, He originally, though, was a musician who played the violin and discovered a love of science and mathematics at a later age. Um, He died at the age of 34, though, in Paris. So, yeah, he started training as a violinist and when he got a bit older, bumped into some people who were doing maths. Um, On the 1st of January... 1894, Heinrich Rudolf Hertz, the German physicist who first conclusively proved the existence of electromagnetic waves predicted by James Clerk Maxwell's equations of electromagnetism. The unit of frequency cycle per second was named the Hertz in his honour. He was also... Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. That 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 was that 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 that's a, a joke that even I would walk away from. <laughs> Boo, that, that's, oh. You suck. <laughs> maybe we can Don't make worry, a, another couple of episodes, and I'll have my own uh, LP. May, maybe we can make a gif of that one. 
Um, he was also famous for other works in areas such as meteorology, cathode rays, photoelectric effect, and most famously for contact mechanics. He died from granulomatosis with polyangulitis. I'm apolog- I'm going to apologize because I'm pretty sure I mispronounced those, but yeah, um, at the age of 36 in Bonn. So. Two amazing men who died at an early age. Um, on the 1st of January 2001, Herman Raymond Walston, the American actor and comedian, well known as the title character on My Favourite Martian. And this is the original My Favourite Martian, not the um, poorly attempted remake. And check out that costume. <laughs> I don't know, Christopher Lloyd played a good My Favourite Martian. Uh, it just it just didn't have that same element that made it so so much fun from back in the original series. I'm not I'm not meaning to take away from it, but yeah, Walson's original series just he just had something there that the, the second one didn't. Um, unfortunately, he died at the age of 86 in Beverly Hills from lupus on the 1st of January 2002. Julia Phillips, the American film producer and author, uh, unfortunately died from cancer at the age of 57 in West Hollywood. She co-produced with her husband, Michael, and other people as well. Three prominent films in the 70s. We're looking at The Sting, Taxi Driver, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And was the first female producer to win an Academy Award for Best Picture for The Sting. Moving on to Famous Birthdays. Just first, I'd like to add in another remembrance that it seems like we missed back in the day, but uh, Terrence Dix passed away uh, on the 29th of August last year, but tonight's episode of Doctor Who was dedicated to him. He was the uh, lead script editor for Doctor Who from 1968 to 1974. Um, I won't spoil it for you, but tonight's episode's pretty good. Why is it good? Because of reasons I can't spoil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I tried, folks. He sealed up tight. It's because of the... Okay. Um, moving along on um, the 1st of January, 1852, Eugene Anatoly de, de Marque, the French chemist who designed highly specialised apparatus for use in his research, was born. He was a specialist in the emerging field of spectroscopy. He detected the presence of the rare earth element europium in 1896, and isolated it as the Oxide Europia in 1901. He also famously helped Marie Curie to confirm the existence of another new element, radium, in 1898. He developed an instrument for obtaining spectra using an induction coil with pure platinum electrodes to produce a high spark temperature that eliminated impurities that could cause foreign spectral lines. By eliminating the sources of error, he made it possible to separate out purer samples of various Earth elements um, that had previously been unavailable. Let's go to find where I was again now. The 1st of January, 1879, Edward Morgan Forster. 
also known as E.M. Forster, who was an English novelist, short story writer, essayist, and librettist. Uh, many of his novels examine class difference and hypocrisy, including A Room with a View, Howard's End, and A Passage to India. The last brought him his great success. He was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature in 16 years, 16 different years. Uh, his views as a humanist are at the um, heart of his work, which often depicts the pursuit of personal connections in spite of the restrictions of contemporary society. He was m- born in... Oh, I'm going to be struck Marleybone. Uh, thank you. That's okay. <laughs> um, on the 1st of January, 1919, Jerome David Salinger, also known as J.D. Salinger, American writer known for his novel, The Capture in the Rye, um was born in Manhattan, New York. Um, Catcher in the Rye is one of those novels that's often linked to um, lots of the crazy people such and mass serial killers, that sort of thing. Um, don't know why. It's actually, if you get the chance to read it, it's actually quite an interesting read. So, yeah, something to do for the new year if you haven't re- managed to read it yet. On the 1st of January, 1938, Frank A. Langella Jr., also known as Frank Langella, American stage and film actor. He has won four Tony Awards, two for Best Leading Actor in a Play for his performance as Richard Nixon in the play Frost Nixon and as Andre the Father in The Father and two for Best Featured Actor in a Play for his performance in Edward Albee's Seascape and Ivan Turgenev's Fortune's Fool. His notable notable film roles, which are many, include George Praga in Diary of a Mad Housewife, Count Dracula in Dracula, Skeletor in Masters of the Universe, Bob Alexander in Dave, William S. Paley in Good Night and Good Luck, and Richard Nixon in... The film production of Frost and Nixon. It was also what was the robot one, DJ? The robot one. Um, I recall there was a robot one, but I will. Um, something in me. He plays the part of uh, father who's got dementia, and his son builds a robot. Fa- uh, robot and Frank. Robot and Frank. That's it. Um, on the first of January, eighteen eighteen, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus is published anonymously by the small London publishing house of Lackington, Hughes, Harding, Mavel, and Jones. You almost need a publishing house just to get the name of the publishing house out. It was issued anonymously with a preface written for Mary by Percy Bice Shelley. Hmm. I'm just wondering whether, how are you supposed to pronounce that name? Percy Bice Shelley? No, I have to go and look that one up. And with a dedication to philosopher William Goodwin, her father. It was published in an edition of just 500 copies in three volumes, the standard triple-decker format for the 19th century first editions. On the 1st of January, 1896, German physicist Wilhelm Röntgen announces his discovery of X-rays. This was his announcement, not the announcement in the newspaper and by other people, or the discovery of it was his announcement of it. We actually had a discussion about this the other day, folks. So um, This achievement 
that earned him the first Nobel Prize in Physics in 1901. On the 1st of January 1901, the British colonies of New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, South Australia, Tasmania and Western Australia federate as the Commonwealth of Australia. The states that kept the systems of government and the bimacurial legislatures that they had developed as separate colonies, but they also agreed to have a federal government that was responsible for matters concerning the whole nation. When the Constitution of Australia came into force on the 1st of January 1901, Edmund Barton was appointed the first Prime Minister. And the whole world didn't realise that it was a better place because Australia now existed as a country. On the 1st of January 1917, T.E. Lawrence joins the forces of the Arabian Sheikh Faisal at Al Hussein, beginning his adventures that will lead him into Damascus by October 1918 and give us the great movie Lawrence of Arabia. No prisoners! No prisoners. God, I love that movie. That that scene that that scene was the best scene in that movie. Okay. Hey, I, as I said, the movie was great. That was a great. It was movie. just the way you launched into that. No prisoners. Phrase the way you did. It, it's just a little bit creepy. But that, that's how they spoke in the movie. No prisoners. Yeah, but still. Um. Yeah. Um. Anything else we want to add in this week, guys? Uh. I've got nothing. Um, where can where can they find us on Twitter? Twit. Oh, bucko, they can find us on Twitter at at an amalgamated, and um, they can also find us on Facebook, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. They can even find us on the That's Not Canon website, where they where we are home to other po- other podcasts such as Murder in the Land of Oz and General Queries. And we also have merchandise as well. And we're now also now on Instagram. Okay. Well, apparently we're now talking in our special voice. <laughs> Professor, have you got anything groundbreaking to add to this transmission? Nope. <laughs> well, folks, you've heard it here. You've heard it first. Or maybe you haven't heard it first. Maybe you heard it second. <laughs> Ooh. Well, you heard it, and DJ heard it, so they would hear it four, third or fourth. Okay, and I'm walking away slowly. As hearing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, folks, remember to tune in at the same nerdy time on the same nerdy channel for the next episode from Nerds Amalgamated. Until then, remember to stay safe, look out for each other, and stay hydrated. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Hooroo. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.